Hello and welcome to Between Two Servers, the show where we talk about multiplayer game development and netcode. With us today is Ben from OneCode, and we're going to be doing a special episode today where we do a deep dive into how the internet really works. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. So, so basically, Ben and I chatted in a previous episode, and I was like, "Man, we got we got way more to talk about." So let's let's look at it. Let's look at our two backgrounds as 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 sort of like a. Uh, a really good contrast here because because Ben, you're you're not a software engineer. No, no, I, I can't I can't code my do way you, out of a wet paper bag. Do you even do you even write code? Uh, I write configuration files. So I, you, the closest thing I'd ever get to coding would be like writing a config in a, a router or a switch. Yeah, got it. So so your your experience is completely foreign to me because my my whole experience is is as a as a software engineer, and I'm the guy writing the UDP packets that go over networks like the one that you make. And yes. uh, you've forgotten more things about network engineering than I've ever known. Uh, and, and, and from the flip side, I, I know a lot about how games send and receive product, like UDP packets, what we're putting inside the packets, what we're sending and why, uh, and what we need from the network. So, so let's drill in. So I'm a, I'm a game developer and I'm using UDP, right? So of course I'm using UDP. Let's now look at the the game it's running it's sending 60 packets a second up to the server hey maybe it's receiving 10 20 30 60 packets per second down from the server okay from a game developer point of view i'm i'm just assuming that the network is going oh it's udp traffic it's non it, it, it it's not tcp it's probably latency sensitive it's going to deliver at the lowest latency the lowest jitter and the lowest packet loss route this is this is my naive assumption of 10 years ago um, so I'm firing off these packets. Tell me a little bit about what really happens between the client and the server from a network engineering point of view. Um, a lot happens, a lot happens. So um, some games, not yours, but we have noticed some games will even put uh, QoS marks on there in an attempt to ask us to prioritize their packets over others. Does it do anything? And I can honestly say that I've never worked with NICE because ever honored a single, what we call I've a DSCP. QoS packet, but you're some games about do. The, that you're talking about the terms of service bit in the IP, IPv4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your, your yeah, DSCP bits. It doesn't do anything. Bits. No. It doesn't do uh, shit. And in, at some ISPs, we even went to the extreme and we actually set all of our ingress ports, so all the ports coming in from the customer to dump mm -hmm. those bits off, so to lock them off the packets. So okay. if you think of it like as a production line, uh, we're I've looking totally, for all I've those totally QoS. <laughs> and this, we just this, chop, 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 yeah, and just knock this, it all off. And then others will just be like... put in, you just yeah. ignore it. Every ISP ignores it. Not only do you just is... ignore it, you actually strip it out and pass the packet on. Correct. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. we strip it out, but other times other ISPs will just have like, they'll just go into the, the what we call the course, the core fabric, and they'll just type no DSCP honor, bang, gone. So that means that we will never honor any of those packets. So okay. all these guys out there, all these VoIP providers, game providers, especially trying, oh yeah, if I show them a QoS Zoom mark Zoom tags on, packets, Zoom puts the tagging on, Network Next puts the tagging on. Um, mm. There's a thing with Doxis 3.1 where potentially it might help a little bit between your device and your Wi-Fi router or the mm. Wi-Fi router and the head end theoretically on, on a next generation Doxis network, but really it does nothing. Uh, I can say in Australia on the Doxis network, the, the MBN actually lops them off because MBN uses the packets, the, the DSCP marks themselves. So it's sticking for... stuff in there for its own purpose. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. some ISPs use them themselves. Like for example, you might have like a, uh, in MBN world, we have traffic classes. So TC4, traffic class four is general broadband, but mm -hmm. there is actually what we call a TC2 and a TC1. 
and they're limited like tc1 i think is like 25 kilobits a second you're allowed to push over on that priority uh and tc2 is like two megabits enough for a voice call okay so we can actually buy different mbn speeds at different priorities but in once again in my experience almost but no it, one uses tc2 maybe a but, hospital but is an application level you're not developer, allowed to touch it no i can't i can't touch it because i don't have a way to tag my packets in such Correct. a way that you the network operator is mm. going to go i believe what this guy's saying Correct. Exactly. I mean, how would and, you know? That, if, that's every, a trust thing, right? Everything is important, right? That's it. It's a trust thing yeah. for the network operator too. The problem is once people figure out you honor it, everyone thinks that they are special, that they are mm -hmm. important, which comes down to everything. something I think yeah. we've both said to each other once before, which is the internet doesn't care about your game. Totally like, we'll just care. get that out right now. Like network engineers, the amount of times people said to me, oh, but you're a gamer. I'm like, yes, I'm a gamer, but the gamers don't pay my bills. So for yeah. a long time, I just, I had to focus on what paid the bills, which was the boss man who said- And let's and let's face it, like the gaming is a very small percentage of traffic overall. Oh, and gaming traffic, even the busiest of the busiest providers, they, they're only pushing less than 10 gig because um, if you do the maths, depending on the game, like a game like CSGO, you can fit a million players inside a gigabit. Like it's like gaming traffic is very low mm -hmm. traffic level. The only time the QoS works is um, a lot of consumer routers might honor it. So what it'll mean is that if you're playing a game- Also oh, someone else is on your router. Your family then, member is thrashing yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Then the, the router will go, oh, hang on, I'll prioritize his 10 League of Legends packets because they've got a DSCP mark. That's okay. the only time it works. And I think that's why a lot of game devs still put it in there just on the off chance yeah. it does work. Yeah, we, we it do it. Make... We use it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume that it hits the head end of the- of the the cable network or whatever the mm. equivalent is for the isp and it does mm. nothing it doesn't uh, and i can say and in some places like uh mbn i believe in singapore as well some providers they actually chop it off at the router level they actually have yeah. a, a yep. tr69 message they send to your router to remove it before it sends it into the network so what happens now it goes to the head end mm -hmm. an isp right like one of the one of the isps that's not one code right yes. um What's going to happen to that packet now? It's one of the UDP packets. I'm sending 60 packets per second. Yep. It needs to get to the server somehow, but the server is not on the ISP's network. So what, no, what happens? Rarely, rarely. Rarely it's on the, like there's, there's a very small chance it is, but especially in America or Australia, the UK, it definitely won't be because ISPs yep. generally don't do anything else, right? So okay. the first thing that's going to happen is it's going to, it's going to come in what we call through a, an aggregation router. So that'll be like the, the edge of the, the ISP's network that connects to the last mile. It'll come in that router. That router okay. will see it so this, and then this go. This is the head end yes. in, in the American terminology. Yes. And, and this is where all of the non-IP traffic is kind of terminating and turning into IP traffic? Yes. Yeah. So this okay. is where like if you're on cable or DSL, this is where your traffic is getting translated or, you know, or on a modem, which is demodulating the information right. into a, a packet, IP packet, and then getting dumped onto the ISP's backbone. Okay. So let's okay. talk about that ISP backbone. What, what's going mm. on there? So then the ISP backbone, a lot of consumer ISPs think of it like a, um, a highway that they don't want you on. Uh, like it's the complete opposite to what a highway should be. It's they don't want you on there for long. Okay. They want you to okay. get to the nearest exit and get the hell off. Okay. So this is called hot potato ratting. This is called yeah, hot potato routing or uh, pass it forward routing, or there's many ways to explain it, but essentially the- Throw the packet the, over the wall routing. Yeah, if you thought of it, of, uh, if you thought of it as, um, as a room full of people who are sharing letters, yeah. the idea of a hot potato is you, if you have two guys beside you, you try and throw all the letters to them, no matter how, where they're going, you just throw them to them and hope yeah. they'll know where it to might send even, them. It might be even the wrong direction as to where the letter needs to go, but you're just like, I just want, yes. I just want to get this letter out of my hands. 
Correct. And in this case of some smaller ISPs, regional ISPs, it might be so hot potato that they only have one upstream. So they only have one other provider they connect to and they just- So what's an upstream? In, in an this upstream context. is the next, is another, is another provider you're connected to. So the internet is broken into tiers. So you got like tier four ISPs, which, or tier four networks, which are down the bottom and they're little tiny networks who just connect to one company. Then right. you've got your tier, tier threes who sort of connect to two companies and maybe an IX. And then you've got your tier twos who have their own backhole and they usually have multiple sites. So they have multiple cities. Okay. So and then backhole, tier- backhole is their own links between physical yeah. points of presence. So they might so be we'll in California Sydney. for an example, and, okay. and they might be in Los Angeles, San Diego, Portland, and Seattle. And, and they've actually three. got the fiber, the waves, the mm. dark fiber, whatever. They've, That's it. they've yeah. actually got physical links where they're going to hold the traffic from one point to another. Correct. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a class of ISP who we call back, backbone providers. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of those backbone providers don't actually operate an IP network. What they do is they just build lots of fiber. And they slice it up into pieces and then sell the, the slots off to everyone to then connect their like their, their cities. And what we call that is an intercap, so intercapital link. Okay. Now in Australia, we say intercap because 80% of the country lives in capitals, right? But in America, um, right. it, it doesn't really apply because like- Like you the know, major the pop- metro areas like, like yeah, they, they Los Angeles, inter- intercap Chicago, links, yeah. That's Dallas, yeah. Virginia, New York. Yeah. That's yeah, any, anywhere, anywhere that's got, got a major international airport, you would say like intercap link runs between the two. Okay. Okay. So the, the back, the backhaul, the backbone, the intercap, the, all the same thing. It's just a really fast fiber link between two places. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can even be a fiber link under the ocean on a submarine cable, which we'll get into later. Right. So a tier two will actually have either their own, they built, or they will be buying, buying capacity on their on a backbone and usually taking out something we call an iru which is indefensible right of use for you know 20 years which means for 20 okay. years they own the cable even if the cable okay. gets sold to a new owner the new owner has to honor it and give them right, the right, access right, right, right. To that cable it's like when you it's like when you buy a building but it's got a whole bunch of microwave equipment on the roof that's like, it exactly <laughs> you're locked in guys it's, it's not going anywhere exactly uh and then your tier ones are your really big isps um uh i believe Level three, CenturyLink, Lumen, whatever they're called this week. Yep, they are Lumen. a tier one. Yep. Um, then you've got, you've got AT&T. They fall in the tier one category. Uh, in okay. Australia, you would say Telstra is almost a tier one now, mostly because they own so much capacity. Like they own most of the backball and bones in Asia. They have quite a big presence in America now. They have quite a growing presence in Europe. You've got your likes of um, uh, Verizon. They would be a tier one as well. You've got, okay. yeah. And, and tier ones, they don't, so we have this thing called transit, which is where as a provider, I buy internet from a tier one. Right. The tier ones don't buy transit. It, it's sort of like an exclusive men's club. They're, they're in the tier one club and they're, they're that's peering it. with each other, a free peering. That's it. Yeah. They all agree to peer with each other so that they okay. all get to make more money. So okay. once you, once you get invited to the tier one club, you, you stop paying for transit because then you all just have these big fiber links between your networks in, in strategic cities together. Okay. Okay, so let's let's now go back to the example. I'm game developer. I'm sending yes. my packets so, from the so client to the server. Of, but let's yes, let's start from of, that tiny one. Yes. Start from that tiny ISP, the yes. tier four. Yeah, your tier four. So your, your baby ISP. So they've hit the head end. Yeah. And a tier four is just going to have an, uh, an upstream. So he's just going to have a you know head end over the into wall. into his core router, and his core router is just going to go flip and just throw it to the the upstream, who would in a lot of American cases be AT and T. They're sort of the big. Okay. You know, they're cheap, they're reliable, they, they sell you a fiber, you know, they've got small business specialists who will hold your hand and say, it's okay, you're an ISP, I'll help you get there. Okay, so. But, but, but here's the thing, and this is the important part for the game developer. 
What does the relationship look like from that tier four ISP to the upstream provider that they're throwing the packets off to? Do they have any guarantee from the from that from that upstream provider that it's going to go a low latency route or no. not going to be congested? No. So trans IP transit, which is the the stuff that the tier fours and tier threes buy, and even some you know mm-hmm. tier twos or whatever whatever you call one code because we sort of sit between one and two. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the transit stuff you buy the sla is about uptime and it's about reachability of the internet it doesn't ever include latency okay. to destinations and it doesn't ever include hop counts or it doesn't ever include guaranteed interconnection okay. with so other it's, parties it's, it's literally like you can send a packet here and it might get to it if the internet can route to it it's probably mm. going to get to it but i have no guarantee of quality whatsoever no and this is what your this is where your isp is sending your gaming packets correct Okay. Now let's walk up. Now let's look at a let's look at a level three ISP. What is the level three ISP going to be doing? So a layer three, a, a tier three ISP, they're going to have things like peering, and okay. they're going to be on internet exchange points, which is good because a lot yeah. of game companies are on IX IXs, and what that means is they can set up what we call a bilateral peering arrangement with the game company if they want to peer. Okay. So, um, so, so let me let me say like I'm Riot and I have Riot Direct. Mm. I probably have something where I can peer with these. Correct. Tier yes. threes so, so right, in IXs? Yes. Yeah. So Riot Direct is essentially where Riot went. We are sick of ISPs having bad latency. Mm-hmm. So we're going to buy from those backbone providers our own private fiber links yep. all over America to every IX, to every carrier hotel, which is so, essentially- So the carrier hotel in the IX is where these ISPs kind of go, I'm going to upstream to Riot Direct. Mm rather than through some throwing it over the wall with some sort of like no guarantees. Yeah, right direct is, is, is rarely the, the driving point. It's usually Netflix okay. is why they go there. But you okay. know, Riot okay. just okay. Is, is in the room. So they get they get connected. So the carrier hotel is a data center, which is usually more focused on giving every telco a couple racks to set up a you know an outpost of their network. Okay. Uh, and they're usually well connected. They have lots of fiber going so into them. So it's not like the it's not like the tier three ISP has to go and explicitly peer with Riot. No, it's that they, because they're on like, the IX. Because everyone because in the, on IX the route service. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So everyone's having so, a free for all love fest mm. in in the meet me room. And if you've so, got an ASN and a packet's going to that ASN, it's just going to go the right way. Is that correct? Hopefully. So hopefully. the way the way an IX works is if you think of it like as a big a big room with group chats. Um, and what happens is, or telephone directory, an IX has a telephone directory. Now, some people on the IX will elect not to list themselves on the telephone directory. They'll, they'll privately reach out to other members and peer with them. Okay. But a lot of members will just go to the telephone directory and say, here's my AS number. Here's all my IP addresses. Just let it in. Let's go. If, if you need to send me stuff, just, just dump it to my port on the IX and I'll take care of it. And then it, Riot usually does that. So what okay. that means is any tier three ISP on an IX, um, Will then immediately have better routing to Riot. This is this depending is on their routing thing. to that carrier hotel, right? But, but that, this that, is a that massive, always... massive investment from Riot to 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 make it so that these tier tier three ISPs can effectively say, "I'm going to throw packets your way, and you're going to take care of them." And this is not something that a normal game developer can be doing usually. No, God no, um, God no. So. The so let's now look at the non-right direct situation for a tier three. What's usually happening for a tier three ISP when you don't have right direct and you haven't set up your own ASN and all these internet exchange points? 
so the tier three is still back in tier tier tier, uh, tier four land. The only difference is that the tier three might have two or three trans upstreams. So you have a, a slightly them? better chance. Well, aha. Uh-huh. So yeah. option A is it doesn't. Uh, it does what we call round robin. So it just okay. half, half splits it in half. So it's just 50, think of 50. it like a, as a spinning bottle and then with the packet shooting at the end and then there's just three holes and it just shoots I've into seen each this hole. because often these different upstreams have different characteristics and depending on what port number or IP the server has or the port ephemeral port on the client is, they often, and again, I'm not a network engineer, mm-hmm. but from an application software point of view, I've seen differences of 10, 20, 50, 100 milliseconds just by shuffling the source test IP addresses or the port numbers. And I assume that that inputs into this round robin decision. It does, it does, yeah. Okay, well, that explains it. So randomly, these three routes with different performance characteristics, different, and all three of them don't have any guarantees of any actual quality, right? But they're all assumed, eh, they're all basically the same. I'll randomly pick one of the three and send the packet out that way. Correct. Okay. So, so what the what the router does is it looks at the the traffic and it looks at what we call the IP header and it goes, ah, oh, it's going to this IP. And some guys might remember called odds and evens. So if the IP yep. at the end of the the number at the end of the IP is an odd number, it goes to one upstream. If it's an even number, it goes to the other one. And got then there's got odds and got evens, it. bang, split in yeah, half, or, or, or you go modulo n, where n is the number of upstreams and a hash of, of the source. That's it. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then they have what we call a connection tracker, which then means that it remembers that every single packet okay, so, for so that there isn't a connection. live connection. So keep, don't, don't be like flapping it different directions. Correct. It won't move the, it Just won't move that, always that go connection that from way. my house. Yeah. Okay. But if you, if you're playing LOL and then like say okay. your partner's playing LOL beside so you, if you're, if you're you wondering from one session to the next, ways. why you get completely different performance, it's because you might now have a different ephemeral port number. And now instead of going left, mm. you're now going right. It's the same exact server in the data center and you've got the same connection as, as, a, as a player behind an ISP, but this randomization between different upstream providers from your ISP is, is randomly adding latency from one match to another, giving you inconsistency. Correct, correct. Yep, yeah. I've seen it. Okay, yeah. so- Tier so two? That, or, or tier two. To, yep. What, it, what is a tier two gonna do? So a, a tier two ISP will generally, they're, they're now in back back background uh, backhaul territory. So, okay. you know, uh, uh, for example, let's take who's a tier two in Australia or, or America. I don't know many tier twos, but a tier two would be like a state based ISP. So they'll be in, you know, they'll again, they'll be in Portland. Uh, they'll be in Silicon Valley. They'll be oh, like in a LA. Reg- they'll be like in San Diego. ISP. Yeah. They're, an, they're a regional ISP, right? Okay. So what'll happen is they're in all these cities down the, you know, the West Coast and they'll have fiber between well, the like cities. Fir- they'll have first their light. First Light is a regional Northeast USA ISP, and mm-hmm. I presume that they would be a tier two. Yeah, I would presume they First are. First Light Fiber. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they, they'll have fiber all the way up the, the West Coast, and they'll have they'll be in every city. They'll be in every carrier hotel in every city because it's cheaper to peer than but to buy just transit. in this one regional area, and they're Correct. not going to yeah. they're not going to be in every major metro in a in a country or have international. No, and they're not going to be in like like for example at OneCo, we're in like every major IX in asia pacific right so we're in okay. you know los angeles seattle brisbane sydney melbourne tokyo hong kong singapore guam like it's a long list um and, and it's a lot of network engineering because you've got to you know balance millions and millions of routing information you're receiving every second and then make sure that you're sending the traffic in the right direction or else mm-hmm. you cause a 200 millisecond on someone and then they yeah, can like a hairpin yeah Okay, so, yeah. so so back to the tier two. So back to the tier so, two. So they can't really necessarily on their small regional network take it all the way to where it needs to go because they serve no. on their side of the country. 
Correct. But generally they'll be, they'll be peering in a lot of IXs in their region okay. and a lot of, um, so a lot of backbone ISPs will also be peering in those IXs. So okay. the, the hope is that generally you'll get a slightly better quality of internet because the game developers usually buy from the likes of AWS or Google at the moment, or any of these other infrastructure providers and the infrastructure providers generally try and peer everywhere because it's cheaper than buying transit. It's cheaper to buy backhaul fiber and IX peering than it is to buy transit at the same okay. dollar, dollar per megabit. So effectively, this, let's talk about this peering arrangement. So, the, so the, the tier two ISP is basically saying, I don't have the network to go all the way to the server, but I'm mm. peered with a bunch of other networks. And, and, and you're effectively saying, hopefully the hosting company running your servers or, or yourself, if you're Riot Direct or whatever, mm. has, has set up some sort of a way for BGP to work out, I need to get it to this ASN and it's going to hopefully mm -hmm. take a good path. But there's Correct. really no guarantee, is there? Still, we're still, we're still not like, and, and honestly, even when we get to the tier ones, we're still, there's never going to be a guarantee. Um, there, okay. there, there's no, there is no guarantees on the internet. Um, okay. Because we don't operate that way because okay. it's all best effort. Best effort delivery, meaning. Especially uh, for residential. So especially okay. for residential internet, for that motor on your wall. For everybody we, playing a game. Best it's effort it, delivery applied to every packet sent by a game you're playing. That's it. And you're paying between you know, $30 and $120 a month. That That's mm -hmm. not enough. You know, If you think of the average salary of a network engineer is over $100,000, that's that's mm -hmm. not enough for the, the ISP to commit a network engineer to actually make your, like, your, your lag go away as a user. Right. As long as you yeah. can play the game, they yeah. don't care if you're at 20 or 100 milliseconds. So effectively as far now, as they're concerned, yeah. Now we got tier two and I'm going to I'm going to assume that the tier one is basically the same, except the tier one might have its own backhole. Actually, no, the tier one gets really tricky because the tier okay. one generally won't peer. Okay, so, so we're, ta we're talking Comcast and Verizons here at this point? Comcast, Verizons, Telstra's, Optus, Singtel, okay, NTTs. Okay. Just to give everyone who's watching a bit of, oh, I can't. So I you're not you're not going to be like, I'm a game developer and I host with insert company here and and know that that company is peered with these tier ones because they don't peer well, with them. Correct. You've got saying? to buy from them is what I'm saying. So all oh these Oh my guys, God, it's flipped the other way around. So now- Yeah, so now and, now they're, you, and now they're gangsters, right? Now they're monetizing their customers. They know that they might have 25 million customers behind them. Okay. And they go, well, no. Well, if you want access to I'm these charging customers, them. you need to pay up now. Yeah, so they, they told both sides of the, the link, okay. right? So they, they so, charge so, you to, so, to get access so, to their customers and they charge their customers to get access to you. Okay, so that's fine. So so now now at the tier one, you've basically got aggregation of customers and it's mm. like, well, if you want access to to my you know 30 million customers, you're going to pay me to interconnect with my network. Is this, uh, like well, the whole, lot, is this like that whole Netflix so, thing where Netflix had like really bad interconnection for a long time and then everyone was playing Correct, because everyone tried to charge them transit and okay. Netflix put the middle finger up and said, no, this is not how this works. And we now have this sort of middle ground where we have what we call paid peering. So it's nowhere near as expensive as transit. And if I buy paid peering from Comcast, they're not going to give me access to AT&T or Verizon. But that's in, in a lot of cases for gaming, that's a better result because you don't want to buy from one or two transits and then rely on them mm -hmm. to get you to other tier ones because generally the, the interconnects between the tier ones at peak times get congested. Okay. So so let me let me sort of dial back a little bit here. Like as a game mm. developer, I don't have the ability to interconnect with Comcast and Verizon. Oh, I don't it's, even it's have, a lot of work. I don't even have my own network, nor I have no idea what to do. 
Okay, mm. I write code, it runs on a server, the server is hosted somewhere with a public IP address. Mm. Now I'm, <clears throat> I'm, effectively, I'm effectively in this situation saying, I really hope mm. that the hosting company that I'm working with has good interconnects with the ISP of all these players. Is that correct? Is that, it's really the only, the only hope that I have as a non-network engineer. Um, no, so I think this is why everyone's moving to the likes of Amazon and Google at the moment, because Amazon and Google have done a, a relatively good job of connecting to all these ISPs in all the cities they operate in and building their own massive backbone links and build, and you know, Facebook has done this as well for themselves. You've got the likes of, you know, Riot have done it as well, mm-hmm. but from but your cloud the, the server hosting company has to do it. And if there's 50 Correct. different server hosting companies, that's a lot of overhead for each of them to have a special it deal is. with each major tier one ISP around the world. Well, I, I can honestly say already at one, like one code, we do this, right? We, we, this is one thing we do is we, we connect to every eyeball network we can. It is a lot of administrative work. It's a lot of overhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of money. Like the, it means that your barrier entry moves a zero <laughs> up the column because yeah. now you have to have all these connections that are all burning cash and the fiber between you and your, your the, the carrier in the, in the data center costs money per month. The switches cost money. You need bigger switches. You need bigger you're routers. For this, you're paying for this even if no actual game traffic is going across it. Yeah, well, this like is- for example, one of our one of our interconnects with a major provider in America right now is essentially idle. Okay. And, and, and I, they don't care. They still charge me. Okay, cool. So, so this is this is not particularly a a situation where let's let's flip it around now and go like, what, what do we really want for games, right? Like, like let's look what what motivates you and what motivates me. I really want game traffic to be treated a little bit differently. You know, maybe maybe the best effort delivery is great for most of this non real time sensitive activity that I'm doing on the internet, like downloading a web page. It's working okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I'm playing the game, I kind of want to be able to tell the network, hey, hey, come on, these packets are different. Treat them appropriately. You know, and, and that's why I created Network Next, at least, as a way for me, the application developer, to kind of say, hey, network, hey, here's the important stuff, but, but not in a way where I'm setting the TOS bit and you're just going to strip it. But I'm like, no, no, you can cryptographically, det- now, obviously, this is, this is, this is the thing that is, you know, in development and will take a long time to work with all of these different operators. But our technology makes it possible for network operators to look at the packets belonging to a stream, you know, or a flow coming from a particular user of a game and go, I can identify the packets that belong to this flow cryptographically and determine if they're real when paid and I can treat them differently potentially and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So, so this, is, this is radically different from the way that ISPs work right now. It is. It's it's a totally different way to approach the internet, right? So now let's go back to one code because you guys are doing the same thing, but you have a different strategy. How are you doing it? Yeah. So so our methodology is we don't we don't build to price, right? So a lot of ISPs will just find the lowest bidder within the margins that they want. So within the margin of you know technical mm-hmm. requirements they have, they set they'll just take the cheapest bidder. Uh, we so don't you're, do that. you're now we, saying I care about quality as I build out my network. I care about latency. So okay. we, we pick, you know, sub brain cables, backbones based on the lowest latency figure within a margin of like, uh, reality. Like if someone's going to charge me 
obscene cost to shave a millisecond off we won't pay it just because i mean our customers won't pay it right because it yeah. means that yeah, all our servers go up 50 bucks a month they go oh i don't want to pay that everyone, oh, everyone acts that like a millisecond is important but the reality is at least in my experience with game developers at network next hmm. it starts becoming meaningful i think around 20 milliseconds reduction yeah so um, we work with 25 so yeah, yeah you're okay. I, I think we're in the same place yeah so if we work if, if it's a 25 millisecond saving then yeah it'll be worth the extra yeah. you can feel it a month yeah. Another way to look at it is because the games are often running discrete frames at 60 FPS. So each frame is at least 16.67 milliseconds. So honestly, Correct. if you're if you're saving one millisecond, it's probably going to get quantized to the next frame anyway. Exactly. And the only time you might see this be different is in your what we call your high your high tick rate games. So mm -hmm. um, Counter Strike, Valorant, yeah. Yeah. Battlefield Four was a 144 tick. So um, and I believe uh, even the newer battlefields now go all the way up to 165 ticks. So that's a, that's a lot of fucking packets per second. And, and, and the thing I've is never the shipped rate, a game more than 60. <laughs> and, and the <laughs> thing is that the, the tick rate, the tick rate has massive effects because it means that you become more sensitive to mm -hmm. uh, jitter on your network. It means that you have to have a faster computer because tick rate actually means the CPU has to work harder. I don't think people realize yep. this. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, gigahertz start becoming a major factor. And if the game feels smooth, because yep. tick rate is a single threaded, is almost always a single threaded well, there's a, like there's, calculation. There's a, there's a cost thing from the game developer point of view, because if I'm going to run servers at 10 hertz or 20 hertz, which is a pragmatic option, and there are ways to make it depending on the network model that I'm going to do for a game, mm. there are ways but to even make that feel servers, a lot like right? 60. Well, but the servers, servers now... On, on because, my game servers, if I'm running 60 hertz ticks rather than 20 hertz ticks, I'm going to be spending three times more on my servers now because I'm running because three fit times less people per server because and you need to buy faster servers from the outset because if yeah. you're going too slow, you'll just never do the tick calculation. I'm running twenty. I'm running twenty ticks per second, or I'm running sixty. It's three times the mm. work. Exactly, right? and and the tick rate also has a massive impact on the network. So, for example, when we we ran a CS:GO tournament on our Guam servers, even even four matches concurrently is over a hundred thousand packets per second across mm -hmm. the players. Com comparatively, we, we might have a, like a daily community server running and they never, they'll never even scratch 5,000 packets per second and they have yeah. more players yeah, online. The, 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 I, the tick I, rate I, really like for every tick rate jump, it's exponential. The number of packets you'll still be sending. The pros in Counter-Strike as well, they jack the tick rate up massively. They're running at really mm. high frame rates on the client. The tick rate on the server is really high. And uh, I've they also seen... use client commands to force extra, like which causes it to send every packet like like a yep. fire hose. So yep. what yeah, that it's... means is that, yeah, we see about 100 to 150,000 packets per second during a CSGO match. Like it's, it's a lot of traffic. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Okay, so we've gone through all the different tiers and we've pretty mm. much established that the ISP is kind of throwing the packet over the wall and going, just send it in the general direction, but I don't have any guarantee that it's going to get there. There's no coordinating sort of authority kind of going, I think this game packet is special. And, you know, let's pick the low latency route for this game packet. It's just not happening. No, there isn't. This is, this is why we find these big latency reductions with Network Next, because all we're doing is we're basically going, oh, whoops, they rolled the dice and they got the wrong upstream and that's the low latency. That's the high latency upstream and take the low one. Or, or... Hmm. Or we have a way to sort of subvert the the way that the packet would normally go to make it go a particular way, right? Correct. Yeah. And from a networking standpoint, by the looks of it, what you part of what you do is by having nodes, you know, your network next nodes everywhere, mm -hmm. means that you might have a way better path to your node than the game server. 
And then your node in turn has a better pass to the game server. So you can then just tell the client to redirect the packets to my yep. node and I'll handle it and I'll carry it. That's what it we do. And, and, and when I work with you guys at mm -hmm. one code as well, like let's say there's a, rec a recalcitrant ISP that's it's not the player isn't a one code player in Australia mm. or, or whatever, but the recalcitrant ISP is sending along their own, whatever, you know, one of their N upstream providers, right? And mm -hmm. it just happens to be a really bad route. Right. Well, we can say, no, 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 no. Take, we can force them to take the one code network, which you've built. Yes. And, and because, uh, and, and because we do this peering where we do try and connect to all the ISPs in their region, kind of hope it means that we can pick the traffic send up. It to you. Mm. Or we you can encourage make them. them. You can't. We make can encourage them. them. We can really encourage them these days because I, I we are on the IXs and because we buy the private peering with them. Uh, we yeah. sort of we sort of pay a small toll for the for them to guarantee they'll send us all the traffic. So your and your hope your hope as a network provider is I'm going to go out there in all the IXs and I'm going to advertise here like we you, you want traffic that goes to ASNX that's mm. us send it our way we'll take care of it no cost to you right that's that's sort of effectively what you're saying to these ISPs but they always can. They can misconfigure or not do it or just not know about you or just not mm. be in that IX. And then Correct. the traffic, the traffic takes a scenic route on its way to one code. Sometimes, yes. And we're still seeing that a bit, uh, especially with uh some of the some of the ISPs we're not in their country yet. So right. once we get inside a country, like I said, we do actually pay the toll. We call the ISP and say, Hey, how much for peering? And they'll go, What? Yep. We say, look, we, we will pay you yep. to give us a fiber link to your network, and right. then we will send you the prefixes we want you to hit. And then we do a, a trick we call disaggregating. Okay. So, you know, when you see an IP address and it's got like that 255.255.blah, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. That's what we call your subnet mask. Yep. Routers always prefer what we call a more specific route. So a smaller prefix. So what I do is mm -hmm. I disaggregate all my addresses to the smaller size. And instead of sending them one big block of IPs, I send them 50 tiny blocks. So their routers okay. can go, oh, he's got all these so really you guys, destinations. So you guys look small according to the cost function that these other routers are doing to work. No, out. we look What's... cheaper. We look cheaper. You so look a cheaper. smaller prefix is a cheaper okay. routing option, right? So like, for example, if I send you what we call a slash eight, which is 10 dot everything after that. So 10.1, 10.2, 10.3, all that is inside a 10 slash eight. Okay. The router is going to go, that's a massive advertisement. So they've got a lot of networks behind them. But if I send you 255, oh, 10.1, So from, 10 from the 2, ISP's 10. point of view, it's kind of like, this prefix looks like a very specific prefix, which means it's it's more like I'm sending it direct to the destination rather than going Correct. going through someone who is advertising a really big address space. Okay, yeah. I get so it. So we call it disaggregating. That's how you get in I front never, of the queue. Okay. Yeah, we never do that on transits and we never do it on IXs, but we do do it on private peering, which then forces generally their router to go, oh, hang on. That's a more specific direction. I'm going to send all the traffic for them always over this fiber link. And it's, it's what it. we call traffic engineering. It's that way I can then try and strongly encourage the guys to send me the traffic where I want to receive it so yep. that I can carry it the shortest distance to the server. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Lots well, of little tricks we have to use to try and get these guys to play ball. What's really interesting here is, and this is, this is, this is part of why I created Network Next is like, we we have an SDK where we have we're in the client or in the server because I don't want to fucking trust anybody with this routing. I want no. to measure it and steer it the lowest latency route, and I'm going to fucking force it. Right? Mm. That's I mean, as an as an engineer, I'm like no 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 no. Like we could ask them nicely, or we could just make them do it. 
Mm. Right. So, so that's why Network Next has an SDK in the client and the server is because we're forcing packets to go a particular way and, and we're continually monitoring. And we basically, the way our SDK works is we're looking at this client is going to this server and the default BGP route, whatever is going on there. But, mm. but our route is like 20 milliseconds faster or more or whatever the customer says is important to them. Okay, now we're going to force the route to go the way that Network Next says to go. And we're going to override all of the BGP routing and we're not going to play nice. We force it to go the right way. But what's mm -hmm. cool is that we end up only doing this for like one, two, three, four, five percent of the traffic. That's the secret. That's, yeah. That's so the trick. Because we're, we're fixing the really shit stuff. Yeah, you're fixing the, the real top end of that. The hairpins, the messed up stuff, yeah, got, yeah. the people who are going all the way around, like the people in Dubai who are going to Frankfurt and back to Dubai, yeah. just to go all, from, all, to a server in yeah. Dubai. We're we, fixing we see a lot those of sort of things all the time. We're fixing people in China mm. going to outside mainland China. Yes. Um, but bottom line is, look, we've got all these different ASNs, different networks. Some of them are forcing other people to pay to even talk to them. Right. Mm. But when one ASN talks to another, it seems like the best that can happen is that one, net, one network says, well, that's a really specific prefix for that ASN. I'll send it that way at best. And there's no, nothing forcing that to happen and whatever. No. But may, maybe it, it, it's no wonder that we see 1% of people at any time having a pretty bad route. Right. So, no. Ben, Ben, no, I'll no just, surprise at all. I want to go out there on a limb right now and just say, I think that the entire structure of the internet is wrong for real time traffic. I think everything from top to bottom, tier one through four, uh, the whole concept of best effort delivery is not what we need for real time. No, no not, we need not for real time, than not best for effort videos, delivery. not for like computer gaming or the metaverse, no. whatever it's called this but week, what or even what we're doing right now. The internet is, is not designed at its core to handle this. It's designed at its core to connect everyone. Yeah. And then everyone's everyone had to at a best effort rate with yes. like the packet will get there. Maybe kind of, I make yes. no guarantees. Mm. If there's a thermonuclear war, right. There's going to be cockroaches in the internet and that's it. Right. Correct. But I'm not going to give you the best latency when you play. Games. No, I'm not going to give you the shortest path. Uh, okay. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to even do the most logical thing you, you expect. Like, like you said, you've got players in Dubai going back to Frankfurt. We've got players in Mongolia going via New York to get to Hong Kong. Oh, you know, I, call, uh, <laughs> I call this internet weather. It's really weather because see, when you look at any system, when it gets complex enough, a complex system has unpredictable weather, right? Hmm. So, so I see stuff like when, 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 when we see all the people on network next, right? All the players, We'll see like a Friday night or a Thursday night, we'll see congestion in a particular region and we'll see the routing just get weird, right? It's not like it's a fixed system that just works the same way all the time. It's like, no, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a traffic jam or a weather pattern happening over here, but over here it's fine. And then it's raining over here and it's sunny over there. And this, this thing has unpredictable weather. Right? And that's, that's the thing I think people don't realize. It's like, not only is there a lack of incentive or even a perverse incentive for, for network operators on the internet today to kind of go, I want the cheapest way to send this to pack it over the wall. But there's also 100,000 different networks all connecting and misconfigured and perverse incentives and all this stuff is mixed up together to basically create the system that has weather. And that's why when you play on a Friday night, it's really bad. The other factor is maintenance. Uh, and, okay. and Friday night, and, and the other thing too is ISPs only do maintenance at nighttime. So okay. we we will plan well, all that's day what long. We're playing, dude. 
Well, we can't take the businesses offline. So you got to realize the business uh, customer is the high value. So we got to, between nine and five, the network's got to be bang on, never dropping, no issues, which never okay. happens. But that's the aim, right? That's the, the goal. It's the pie in the sky. Um, so we do all that maintenance at nighttime, you know, 9 p.m. And we start pulling out fiber links in the data center while we're moving switches the, or recommissioning links. And that's, and that's the peak that's gaming prime time. Prime gaming time, dude. Yeah. Correct. That's ridiculous. I've seen it it's so Netflix often. It's Netflix time. Like- it's gaming time. And that's when we do our maintenance. Yeah, everything is wrong. It's just wrong. This- but the thing is, that when do you do the maintenance? And and that's what the thing we've had. I've worked with ISPs where we've gone, look, we don't want to knock people off Netflix. So we go later. We go, oh, let's go midnight. Let's go 3 a.m. Oh. And then we start breaking everyone's backups because that's when everyone's backup systems are running. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one, right? That's a tough one. Um, so a lot of ISPs are getting better. So that's the thing is we now don't knock you offline, but we might your latency might jump 25, 50, milli, 100 milliseconds while we've got the core link offline while we're fixing or recommissioning or moving something. So okay. we don't take you offline anymore, but we just make your, your, your latencies a bit higher for a bit while we fix it. And then we bring it back online again. Because otherwise what would happen is that everyone would have to provision to have twice the capacity for every link that they possibly can have. Yeah. So that, so that they could turn off half of it when they do maintenance. Which, which, which then, we do try to do. Like all our backbones yeah. are redundant, but yeah. I can't have like, I can't have two redundant links to, to every provider because the provider is not going to want that, right? They're not going to want me yeah. to have two links to them and they don't want to have, you know, double this capacity that I could possibly abuse one day yeah, on a bad a lot, day and, a lot and cause all sorts of issues. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's, tough. So, it's tough building a network. So look, let's not, let's not beat up on the network engineers too much. Within the system of the internet, within AS, ASNs and BGP, there, there are a lot of people out there they're doing the best that they can, right? But uh, when, when you're playing a game and you get inconsistent network performance from one game to the next or it's good on tuesday and on friday you, you got a horrible route you go into the same data center we, we now know what's going on so so ben look let's let's think about the future now like if you had a magic wand and you could you could fix something and change how everything works regarding how these networks talk to each other on the internet what would you do as a network engineer i think i will more of as a network architect i would I would actually go a bit regulatory. I would say that if you exist in a country, you must peer at least in one place in that country because forced peering, mm-hmm. as we've seen in certain countries, has dramatic effects on network it, quality. It, it levels forcing the traffic. Field, to, it, it does so much. Yeah. And what you and I would actually go one step further. I would say you have to peer on a non-profit IX, mm-hmm. and you have to you have to peer on the route server. So I would I would essentially somehow in a regulatory fashion force all ISPs to play nice. Okay. Because a lot of ISPs use interconnection as a bargaining chip with each other. They use it Mm -hmm, as a way mm -hmm, to get, mm -hmm. you know, better commercial outcomes. They use it a way to, you know, gatekeep entrance into the ISP industry by forcing small ISPs to have crazy startup costs. Like there's an old joke. If you want to become a millionaire. Yeah. yeah, If you want to become a millionaire in telco, start with a billion dollars. Like that's, that's the, it's the, it's the running joke, right? It's very hard to get into. It's, it's a very small couple of people who know how to do it as well. So then it's just a, I think the, that's one of the biggest effects we could have is by forcing ISPs to peer in each country. And, and I would make it unilateral. If you want to operate in America or Australia, you must peer. It doesn't matter if you're Cloudflare, if you're Google, if you're Comcast, you must peer at XYZ. And you could even go out as far as to say, once you have XYZ you know, revenue, you must be peering in multiple states, blah, blah, blah. But just even one peering would be great. <laughs> just it. one. So let's, let's, now, let's now hit a hot button topic. Um, network hmm. neutrality. Okay. So there's, there's like, there's like a lot of, um, there's a lot of like, uh, light, you know, and not a lot of heat out of a lot of the discussion around this. I mean, the way I look at it personally is 
it, it's kind of a weird thing because on one hand, there is like, do I not want networks to act anti-competitively? Just, just like what you just said, like I want networks to interconnect and I don't want people holding users hostage and extracting money, you know, like that, that's, that's sort of anti-competitive. I don't like the anti-competitive aspects of, of, of taking network neutrality away, but there's something about network neutrality that really irks me, which is it also seems to be bundled together, at least in people's minds with the concept of, but all traffic is the same, or at least all traffic should be treated the same. And this is where I kind of hop off the train because the traffic that I work with, real-time traffic, it's not mm. the same. It's not the same. And it shouldn't be treated differently. What if we could find a way where we could treat real-time traffic differently, but in such a way that network operators couldn't act any competitively? That's, I what, guess I, that's what I want to create. And I guess the other thing is with the real-time traffic, do you want to pay for more for that special treatment? Like do the game developers, do the players, do they want to pay a bit more for that special I treatment? Think, I think the players don't want to pay, but as mm -hmm. a game developer myself, I know that I'm absolutely willing to go one, two, three, 5% of my players are having an atrocious experience and I can just pay some money and have it fixed with They're the caveat right, yeah. that I'm, with the caveat that I'm not being shaken down. Yeah, right? of course. It, it, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean like a, shakedown pricing, but I mean like, like a you know, competitive fair. price arrived to from a process of competition. I can mm. fix it for this much. I can fix it for that much. I'll take mm. the cheaper route, but it's within my quality parameters. That's Correct. that's the thing I'm trying to create with Network Next is I want I want 20 different ways to get from A to B, and then I want competition on performance and price, so that if they're 10 routes that are all good, they're effectively competing on price to carry that traffic every 10 seconds. That's that's what we do at Network Next. Um, mm. It's like a replacement for this whole BGP interconnection thing, but it enables game developers to basically say, hey, look, my traffic is different and I'm willing to pay a certain amount when the player's performance is outside of what I think is okay for my game. I'm willing to pay to fix that, but I got to make sure like as net, the thing I have to make sure with Network Next is go, I've got to make sure that competition is driving the price that's that's the thing that i think is so important yeah i 100 agree with you it does need to be um at least somewhat transparent and and a marketplace and you generally want the guy selling the fast path to be a neutral provider you don't want it to be yeah. like at and is the fast path guy because then if he'll someone like, has well, a unique fast path that no one else has command hmm. the price right like, no no, no. i mean i mean the person brokering these deals right like it doesn't oh, yeah, okay yeah, so you know, you need this neutral authority to be deciding what is, or, or at least having the neutral marketplace so the price, you know, the market will decide the price in time. Yep. yep. So, yep. I definitely think a real like, I, you know, I love what Network Next is doing. That's why we work with you. But I think net neutrality. I think assuming that net neutrality means that all packets are treated, you know, in this alter authoritarian way of everything must be treated exactly equal is a bit. A bit it's daft a bit weird, isn't because it? yeah, because well, firstly, it's just flying in the face of reality because they're not. Like, they're I'm not. down. I'm, I'm watching Netflix. It's a bufferable stream that mm. can just be delayed an additional ten seconds, and it doesn't really affect my viewing experience. Correct. Yeah. Or, or right? there's many other things like you know, net neutrality. Sort of also, it breaks these private peering relationships that networks can have because then it, it says, well, no, you can't privately connect to that guy because you have to offer that to everyone. And it's like, well. As long as I'm peering on the IX, if I elect to then have a private fiber line to one other provider who's a mate, I should be allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think some of the arguments for net neutrality were a bit over overblown. And I think maybe that was what scared everyone away. Um, I think getting it getting completely trashed was also a really bad 
outcome as well in the, on the inverse. Um, yeah. I think there so, are aspects of it that I, I mean, I don't want, I don't want, you know, people playing games to have to pay the ISP $30 a month for the, like the gaming package. And to be well, that, told, that's actually coming out in Australia now. So, you know, three of our major ISPs now have what they call a gamer pack where they do really, offer you better routing or they, they, they might be the only prefixes they appear with. And they'll put you on that gross. prefix for super twenty five dollars a month. These these are people who are already paying money to their ISP, uh, not a mm. not a small amount in their minds, no. right? Uh, they well, they it's, deserve it's a, a quality amount. of service beyond, you know. Well, we're just going to route your packets terribly by default, and you're going to pay us more to fix it. That's no, exactly exactly. It's not a small yeah. amount. Hundred dollars a month is not a small insignificant amount to be spending. Um, it's a significant amount. It's more than the game console that you paid for. Exactly. And, and it's going yeah, to do an $12,000 a year. More, if you're spending, right? you know, $1,200 a year on something, or $12,000, $1,200 a year on something, you want to get your value out of it. Um, yeah. And if the ISP is saying to you, well, hang on, I can't do it for a hundred, but for 125, I can, you have to ask you, but hang on, aren't you charging oh, the guy really? on the other side? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you, aren't you charging the game developer to connect to me? Like, hang this on, aren't is, you this tolling is where both we go directions? back to uh, what you guys, you, you, what you and uh, Matt said earlier is the rot goes deep. It does. And well, that's it. Like, you know, the CEOs of these, telcos want to buy their third yacht like you know that's that's their objective their objective isn't to give you internet it's to a get keep the shareholders happy and b get that third yacht get the second and, holiday and, and home. i can i can fully understand it in the context of the vast majority of traffic by volume is this mm. non-gaming non-real-time stuff it's a, even it's the non-gaming sort of a... non-real-time stuff is affected like we saw it with netflix for years where certain isps mm -hmm. were purposely you know breaking netflix to try and hustle netflix to pay them more money yeah, that's not. Or, or we see it. That's that's the thing when when I look at network neutrality and what I want to preserve from the network neutrality, it's like you and ISP shouldn't be able to shake down an application developer just to get good, decent quality of service. That's the mm. thing that I don't like. That I, that's any competitive behavior in my opinion, right? Like mm. um, it is. Yeah. So so, but I, but I'd like to find a way that we can do it where we don't have to have this little fantasy land where I'm checking my email and. And this person over here is playing CSGO or Valorant or Apex Legends. And we're just going, it's all the same. It's not all yes. the same. It's totally no. different. Totally different. Absolutely a different type of traffic that should have a different performance guarantee. It should be routed differently. It should be treated differently from the computer to the router, to the head end, from the head end all the way through the upstream, all the way to the server and back down. It should be treated differently to regular non-real-time traffic mm -hmm. but it's not no so i actually have a question about network next go for I'll it the pebble here. how does it deal with vpns because as we know a lot of players especially in asia use vpns for you know to get better latency yeah and a lot of people will never know that network next is in their game yep. because it, it's a silent it's a silent actor in the back or back end just you know waving the magic wand how will the player know to turn their vpn off because network next might give them a better op What's, inter what's interesting, it, we, we can often find improvement even when VPNs are turned on. But, but the, I the only issue I say is because a lot of VPNs run into VPN concentrators, which are incredibly congested, right? Yeah, yeah. So does Network Next have some sort of secret source that on the Windows, especially on Windows, it can we, sort we of can't, even... No, we can't you can't, you can't, can't switch, you can't switch adapters. The VPN, but, the, the VPN to us looks like somebody at a different lat long. The, mm. the person looks to us like they emerge at the point where the VPN is concentrated. Right, so you often... can't on the in the game engine select a different network adapter because on Windows that's now a possible thing through the API. You can just switch adapters and you could check that adapter. And hang on, no, your second network connection is faster. Yeah, 
Um, I think that's a really good idea, Ben. And, uh, you know, it's the sort of thing that it's something that we should try, but it's sort of like, I want to like, I want to like, there's something about the user selecting and making an intentional decision. I want to play on the VPN. That, yep. that it, it feels like if I'm undoing it, it's something that the user didn't really want. Mm. Um, so generally when we work with, uh, you know, customers like ESL and, mm. and, and other customers that we work with, there's often a period of, of trust where these people actually learn that the connection is better when they don't use a VPN or when they don't use a product like what the Fast or Haste or all the other B2C accelerators. We can mm-hmm. often actually do a lot better. And, and here's the thing, and this is the reason why Network Next is B2B. We don't know what, what you know, one, two, three, four, five percent of, of players at any point in time are going to be the ones who need improvement. The reason yep. why I really, I don't like VPNs and I don't like B2C because mm. it's effectively saying, I'm going to charge someone, even if I don't know that I'm going to get a, an improvement for them at this point in time, I'm going to still charge them, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks a month or, or the ISP. Yep. They can't know ahead of time that they're actually going to get improvement because right. it's a function of, it's the phase of the moon and it's the, and it's the, the ephemeral port number on the client and the ephemeral port number on the server. And then the particular server instance and the IP mm. address of that. And the time of day, because and, and, if maintenance is on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And millions, all these millions things, of factors, right? All these things are inputting into the route. And then when you mm. use an acceleration product, like one of the B2C ones or Network mm. Next, the improvement that we can provide is relative to how bad is the default route that you're taking? We can fix that. But if your route's already good, we can't fix it. So one of the things I like about Network Next is that it's a really ethical product because we're 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 not charging users for no improvement. Like we might only yeah. be targeting five percent of players at any point in time, and I'll, I'll tell you by the way, from one day to the next, it's not the same five percent of your players. That's the funny thing; it moves around. It's this is why it's like weather. It really we've yes. seen that we've seen this with different different games. It's consistent across the world. Everywhere in the world, it's the same. We could target 1% of players at any time. That ends up touching 10 to 20% of your player base over a month. It's crazy bad out there. But the reason why I don't like these B2C ones is they would take well, wasn't even- 100% of your players and say, I'm going to charge all of them 5 or $10 a month. And honestly, meaningfully, a lot of the people we see- Half of them wouldn't from- see any benefit. A lot of the people we see aren't using the B2C players. They don't like them. Um, a lot of them we see are just using a, a, a generic Just a regular VPN. VPN. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and if, and what they do and you know the captains sit down at 9am if the match is at 10 and they they test every you know they'll have 20 subscriptions they'll test every yeah, they'll try which one's find the correct cor- so the lowest latency. Here's a way to think of network next. It's a virtual VPN integrated into the game that automatically every 10 seconds for every player works out not just which one of 20 but actually more like one of 10,000 different ways to get from A to B is the best for you at this point in time. That's pretty much what our product is doing. It's like a VPN wrapper that's included in the game. But mm. When we work with people who are running external VPNs, we do our best, but we can't undo it if the VPN kind of, yeah. the VPN is I guess even just, even just like yeah. a very non-hostile, hey, it looks like you're using a VPN. Maybe consider turning it off. We believe you'll get better latency pop up yeah. in the game would be that's super- definitely- that's definitely something for the game developer and um you, yeah you know, okay would, maybe the game dev that. needs to play. because like we saw one player he was like oh the vpn's not working i said turned off because it never works said, bro just on the weekend we had an event which had a, the company was using network next i said just turned off 
and to connect again and tell me how it works. He, he did it and he went, oh, hang on, the ping's better. I was like- Yeah, yeah, no, that's legit. Magic. We we can't, when, when a, a VPN is kind of like, for something like Network Next, a VPN is pretty much tying one arm behind our back. It's kind of mm. saying, even though you could get me from where I am to two thirds of the way to my destination faster, it kind of forces most of that hop to be a particular way. And then we can only optimize the last 10%. So, mm -hmm. so I, I completely, I completely believe the the experience that you just shared. That's very common. Like if you're running a VPN with a game that's using Network Next, it's it's honestly it's honestly better not to, because Network Next will find a better route than any VPN can find. Right. Cool. Ben, Interesting. We've covered a lot of stuff today, everybody. So let's look, let's sort of take a quick summary. So we've looked at ISPs and they're they're firing packets off. They're throwing them upstream in ways where they don't have any real guarantee or knowledge of the path. The mm. stuff that one code is doing because it's really interesting having a, the shortest prefix to make it make it like likely that the ISPs will send packets to one code server is the right way, the right path. Mm. Um, Network Next is doing something a little more aggressive where we make it happen. Um, and uh, you know, throughout all of it, we're talking about network neutrality and the fact that real-time traffic is different to non-real-time traffic. Um, any closing thoughts, Ben, before we wrap up for today? I don't think I've got any, no. Cool. I think okay. I think that's it. Well, we've we've covered it. We've beaten it to death. And now everybody knows way more about how the internet works than you've ever wanted to know. TLDR, the internet doesn't care about your game and is not picking the lowest latency route. You get inconsistent performance from one day to the next, and it's just how it works. So it. Ben, we're you guys are doing you you guys are doing what you're doing at one code. You're, you're, I like to think of you guys as attacking it from the network up. At, mm. at, at, at Network Next, we're, we're, we're kind of coming at it from the down. application down. We meet in the middle. And, and uh, let me just finish with a, a nice little spruik for OneCode. Check out <laughs> OneCode.com. These guys are building an amazing network in the APAC region with server hosting centrally located in Guam. And uh, also, hey, check out Network Next. That's what I'm working on. We're an SDK that integrates in your client and server of your game. And we pretty much force the packets to go the right way. Okay, cool. That's it for the show today, everybody. Have a great day and uh, see you in the next show. Cheers, everybody. Here's the hard truth. The internet doesn't care about your game. After all the blood, sweat and tears you put into making your game, you launch and some players get terrible network performance. What can you do about it? Build your own internet? This is why we created Network Next. Network Next is a radically new way of linking networks together. It's a new internet. One where networks compete on a neutral marketplace to carry your game's traffic. Network Next puts you, the game developer, in control of the network. We monitor every player's network performance and you choose when to accelerate them. Not only will you see better network performance for your players, you'll also have the security of knowing that if one network is congested, we switch to another in seconds. Now you control the network.